Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots podcast with me, Casey, and happy Friday the 13th. Of course, this episode is brought to you by the wonderful people over at morbidlybeautiful.com. If you want anything to do with horror in terms of pop culture, that is the place to go to. It's full of reviews and interviews, retrospectives, introspectives, top ten lists, anything you want, they have it. And they also have a holiday event going on in the form of an advent calendar. Now, I don't want to spoil anything for you, so you're going to have to go check that out on your own. Or if podcasts are more your thing, then go check out some of the other podcasts in the Morbidly Beautiful family. There's a couple of really great ones in there, and they're all featuring different pop culture aspects, movies, TV shows, etc. So go check those out when you're done listening here. And today's podcast is, I think I believe I said it's going to be a little bit special. We're going to talk about Friday the 13th, which is today. And no, it's not just a Voorhees family reunion. It doesn't really have anything to do with serial killers or slashers, other than the pop culture reference I just mentioned. Although it is a classic, and if you are interested in more about Friday the 13th on the back side of things, I believe it's Shudder that has a fantastic documentary about the making of the Friday the 13th series has interviews with actors and directors and producers and writers and all that sort of stuff. So go check that out. I think it's like eight hours long, though. So you may want to put it aside for a whole day or split it up for a weekend viewing or something like that. Very interesting, though. I remember binging it not that long ago. But Friday the 13th does have its origins, as many people know, in bad luck. Many superstitious people won't do anything on Friday the 13th. They won't fly. They won't travel. They won't do anything out of the ordinary. They'll just go about their day and hope it ends normally. And 90% of the time, I'm sure it does. Probably 99.9% of the time, it does. But there's always those incidents that happen on Friday the 13th, same with the full moon, that people believe are a direct result of the day in question. But what are the origins? Well, it dates very, very far back, as a matter of fact, going all the way back to the Code of Hammurabi. And in case you don't know what the Code of Hammurabi is, it is a text, so to speak. Probably the oldest known length of text known to man. It was created in ancient Mesopotamia, which I've talked about many, many times on this podcast, in around 1754 BC. So predating Christ in the current era. So how does this relate to, say, the current Friday the 13th? Well, maybe not Friday the 13th so much, but definitely the number 13 as it has a code on it that lists 12 different laws, if you will, and that they emitted the 13th because it was an unlucky number even back then. However, it can be chalked up to a translator sort of misinterpreting what it says. That's one theory. Others still believe that they think 12 was the perfect number, and the number following was one of the most imperfect numbers in terms of mathematics and all that kind of fun stuff I have no understanding of. Then we can fast forward about, well, 1700 years to the time of Jesus. 
And it's believed that because there are 13 people presented in the Last Supper painting and that that took place on a Thursday before the Friday in which Jesus was crucified, 13 has become an unlucky number. And because it happened on a Friday, Friday, an unlucky day. So when you combine the two, you get one of the most unlucky circumstances ever created by nature. If you can call it nature, because, I mean, calendars are sort of man-made. Nevertheless, people think that because of the 13 people in the painting, Jesus and his 12 disciples, and that he was crucified on the Friday, it is just plain old bad luck. And it's a day for terrible things to happen, at least in some people's minds. But maybe the most iconic and perhaps even the least known reason for Friday the 13th dates back to the Knights Templar, which in and of itself has sort of a religious sort of undertone to it. Now the following text comes from the History Channel, or History.com, and it says, Founded around 1118 as a monastic military order devoted to the protection of pilgrims traveling to the Holy Land following the Christian capture of Jerusalem during the First Crusade, the Knights Templar quickly became one of the richest and most influential groups in the Middle Ages, thanks to lavish donations from crowned heads of Europe, eager to curry favor with the fierce knights. By the turn of the 14th century, the Templars had established a system of castles, churches, and banks throughout Western Europe, and it was this astonishing wealth that would lead to their downfall. For the Templars, that end began on the early morning hours of Friday, October the 13th, 1307. So right away we see a couple of 13s in there, Friday the 13th on the year 1307. Even though 7 is typically a lucky number for most, and in a modern sense the fact that it kind of takes place in October makes it a little bit more spooky, if you ask me. It just kind of fits perfectly with the theme of the day in question. Continuing on, a month earlier, secret documents had been sent by couriers throughout France. These papers included lurid details and whispers of black magic and scandalous sex rituals. They were sent by King Philip IV of France, an avaricious monarch who, in the preceding years, had launched attacks on the Lombards, which was a powerful banking group, and France's Jews, who he expelled so he could confiscate their property for depleted coffers. In the days and weeks that followed that fateful Friday, more than 600 Templars were arrested, including Grand Master Jacques de Molay and the Order's treasurer. But while some of the highest-ranking members were caught up in Philip's net, so too were hundreds of non-warriors, middle-aged men who managed the day-to-day -day banking and farming activities that kept the organization humming. These men were charged with a wide array of offenses, including heresy, devil worship, and spitting on the cross, homosexuality, fraud, and financial corruption. The Templars were kept in isolation and fed meager rations that often amounted to just bread and water. Nearly all were brutally tortured. One common practice used by medieval inquisitors was the strapto, in which the hands of the accused are tied behind their backs and then suspended in the air by a rope around their waists, intended to dislocate the shoulders. As Dan Jones notes in his book, The Templars, The Rise and Spectacular Fall of the Knights Templar, one of the accused's hands were tied so tightly that blood pooled in his fingertips, and he was kept in a pit no wider than a single footstep. Many of the men were likely stretched on the infamous rack or had their feet dipped into oil and held over a fire to burn. 
Given the extreme conditions, it's not surprising that within weeks, hundreds of Templars confessed to false charges, including Jacques de Molay himself. Pope Clement V was horrified. Despite the fact that he'd been elected almost solely because of Philip's influence, he feared crossing the extremely popular Templars. The knights coerced, quote-unquote, confessions, however, forced his hands. Philip, who had anticipated Clement's reaction, made sure the allegations against the Templars included detailed descriptions of their supposed heresy, counting on the gossipy, salacious accounts to carry much weight within the church. Clement issued a papal bull ordering the Western kings to arrest Templars living in their lands. Few followed the papal request, but the fate of the French Templars had already been sealed. Their lands and money were confiscated and officially dispersed to other religious orders, such as the Hospitallers. Although greedy Philip did get his hands on some of the cash that he oh so coveted. Within weeks of their confessions, many of the Templars recanted and Clement shut down the Inquisition trials in early 1308. The Templars lingered in their cells for two years before Philip had more than 50 of them burned at the stake in 1310. Two years later, Clement formally dissolved the order, though he did so without saying they'd been guilty as charged. In the wake of that disillusion, some of the Templars again confessed to gain their freedom, while others died in captivity. In the spring of 1314, Grand Master Malay and several others were burned at the stake in Paris, bringing an end to the remarkable era and launching an even longer-lasting theory about the evil possibilities of Friday the 13th. So as you can see, there is a real world Friday the 13th that actually happened that was incredibly unlucky for a very specific group of people. But if we look more into the biblical sense, it's not just the Last Supper, which also includes people believing that having 13 guests at a dinner is unlucky. It's also believed that Eve gave Adam that fateful apple from the Tree of Knowledge on a Friday, and that Cain killed his brother Abel also on a Friday, giving Friday another very bad connotation in the religious sense. However, the number 13 isn't always associated with bad luck. In fact, in the late 19th century, a New Yorker named Captain William Fowler sought to remove the enduring stigma surrounding the number 13, and particularly the unwritten rule about not having 13 guests at a dinner. He founded a club, or a society if you want to call it, known as the 13 Club. The group dined regularly on the 13th day of the month in Rudin 13 of the Knickerbocker Cottage, a popular watering hole Fowler owned from 1863 to 1883. Before sitting down for a 13-course dinner, members would pass beneath a ladder and a banner reading, Moture te saltuamas, Latin for those who are about to die, salute you. Apparently former presidents such as Chester A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, and Theodore Roosevelt would join the 13 Club at one time or another. Now there are other cultures around the world who believe in unlucky days, and they're not always Friday the 13th. In Hispanic and Greek cultures, instead of Friday, it's Tuesday the 13th, and it's considered their day of bad luck. The Greeks also consider Tuesday, especially on the 13th, an unlucky day. 
Tuesday is considered dominated by the influence of Ares, which is the god of war in their sort of mythology. The fall of Constantinople to the Fourth Crusade occurred on Tuesday, April 13th, 1204. And the fall of Constantinople to the Ottomans happened on Tuesday, the 29th of May in 1453. Events that strengthen the superstition of Tuesday being horrible, horrible luck. In addition, in Greek, the name of the day is Triti, meaning the third, or third day of the week, rather, adding weight to the superstition, since bad luck is said to come in threes. Tuesday the 13th occurs in a month that begins on a Thursday, which is an interesting little tidbit about the calendar. Now in Italy, it's a little bit different as well. In Italy, Friday the 17th is considered a day of bad luck. The origin of this belief could be traced in the writings of number 17 in Roman numerals, which is XVII. And by shuffling the digits, one can easily get the word VIXI, I have lived, implying death is present, which is an omen of bad luck, obviously. In fact, in Italy, 13 is generally considered a lucky number. However, due to Americanization, young people consider Friday the 13th unlucky as well, even in Italy. And that goes hand-in-hand probably with the popular culture and movies, such as Friday the 13th. And speaking of pop culture, in 2000, a parody film called Shriek If You Know What I Did Last Friday the 13th was released. And in Italy, it was released as Shriek, High Impegni Per Venerdì 17, or Shriek. Do you have something to do on Friday the 17th? Not a great translation, doesn't kind of have the same feel, but as you can see, they took the 13 and they swapped it for the unlucky 17. So we've talked about biblical references, we've talked about the Knights Templar, and we've talked about other cultures and their beliefs on various bad luck days and numbers. But what has actually happened other than the Knights Templar being, well, pretty much brutally murdered starting on Friday the 13th, in some more recent times. Well, a number of traumatic events have occurred on Friday the 13th, including the German bombing of Buckingham Palace on Friday the 13th in September 1940, the murder of Kitty Genovese in Queens, New York in March of 1964, a cyclone that killed more than 300,000 people in Bangladesh in November of 1970, the disappearance of Chilean Air Force plane in the Andes on October of 1972, the death of rapper Tupac in September of 96, and the crash of the Costa Concordia cruise ship off the coast of Italy, which killed 30 people in January of 2012, which probably set off some doomsday people as well, because, you know, 2012 was supposed to be the end of the world, according to the Mayan calendar, anyway. The last thing I'm going to leave you on here is there is a specific phobia for the 13th and for Friday the 13th, so fearing the number and the day and then the number and day together. And it is a tongue twister. I'm going to do my best to say it. So feel free to laugh all you want at how horrible I'm going to butcher this like 43 letter long word. It is triskydicophobia. Triskydophobia. Triskydicophobia. There, maybe third time's a charm. That's the fear of the number 13. Now, Friday the 13th is called Parascyvidicatriophobia. <laughs> this is brutal. I'll give that one more shot. And that is the fear of Friday the 13th. And it is Parascyvidicatriophobia. I think I got it that time. I had to sort of 
spell it out phonetically in order to actually see it. It is literally 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 letters long. I think that is the longest word I have ever read on this show. <laughs> so I hope you had fun with that. I had fun researching this. This was an Sort of a myth or a superstition I've kind of wanted to look into for quite a while now. And what better day than on Friday the 13th to look it up. But that's all I have for you today. Again, I'm Casey, and if you like the show, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I recently come across a new site called Podchaser, and apparently they have a pretty strong community. So if you want to support the podcast that way, feel free to do so. Reviews help ever so much, and it's always fun hearing feedback from you. Also, if you want to check out more of the social media aspect of stuff, follow me on Twitter at HorrorShotsPod or Facebook at HorrorShots. There's a website as well, HorrorShots.com, and of course there's a Patreon if you do feel like lending a little bit of cash to support the show. Everything that comes in through that will go back into the show for upgrading equipment, software, whatever you know, whatever you want it to see go towards, that's where it will go towards. And you can find that Patreon at patreon.com slash horror shots. Of course, there's no obligation, and I'll be putting up more content on there in the coming weeks as I'll have some time over the holidays. So until next time.